Hello and, and welcome back to Surrey Voices, the podcast from Surrey Choices. Surrey Choices is an organisation which supports people with learning disabilities, special educational and support needs and more. Find more about what we do on our website. The link is in the show notes. I am your host, Peter, and because it's April, we are talking about autism. World Autism Awareness Day is April the 2nd every year, and today we want to get a better understanding of autism by talking to those who know best about it. We are going to hear from Simon Tobin, who has autism and talks publicly about it, helping more people understand it better. We also hear from the parents' side, what it is like when your child has autism. Jackie is here to tell us all about it. But first, Shana was listening to our February episode about independence and she gave us a call because she'd noticed how the change of location really helped someone with support. I listened to your podcast about independence and I just wanted to give you a ring because I've got Stephen who the change of in environment has really increased his independence. He did attend Lockwood and Lockwood now only operate half of their building which now means that he's sort of behaviours hasn't really been the best because he's trying to manage his independence. It's not the environment it used to be. So he now attends the harbour. Um, all of the rooms can be used at the harbour, so there's no rooms that's out of bounds. There's a lot of stability there, and he actually is embraced it. He joins the sessions, he's meeting his friends, he's meeting all friends. Um, he's accessing gardening, he's doing art and crafts. He's, he's literally a changed person. It's really good outcome for, for Stephen. And I think sometimes we think that people's behaviours are contributing for other things, but actually it's very evident that it's environmental. So it's it's very much a, a different environment, which has had a really positive effect on him. Bye. Thanks for the call, Shana. Now on with the episode. First up, Ian sat down with Stephen and Justin to interview Simon Tobin who has autism and now does uh, public events to raise awareness about it. Our colleague, uh, Patrick Allen, helped uh, with some of the questions. My name is Stephen Marlowe. <laughs> nice to meet you, Stephen. My name's Justin. Nice to meet you, Justin. My name's Ian. Nice to meet you too, Ian. So, you want the first question? Yes. yes. How old are you? How old are you? And what, what was it like, like growing up growing up with autism? So I'm 29 years old, um, soon to be 30. Um, I was diagnosed with autism at the age of between five and six, I believe. And for for most of my, chi- my child life, I was actually... Um, at residential boarding special needs schools 
Um, but I had a very, I still have a very good connection with my family. I, I love my family to bits. But growing up with autism, when I was a lot younger, I I displayed a lot of behaviours that I don't display anymore. I used to be um, violent. I used to be quite aggressive. But when I reached my teens, so about f- between 13 and 15, I actually started to grow out of those more serious um, behaviours. Throughout my teen years, I uh, my behaviour just got better and better. I think it was three things, actually. The first one being just generally growing up, understanding more about the world and who I am. Second being with the support of people. So I had a lot of support from support workers and teachers. I had a lot of um, sort of therapeutic support from like therapists and and different people. But then the third thing um, that I think really helped me was being introduced to medication when I was about 13 years old. I know for a lot of people, medication is a um, controversial issue, but I can safely say it helped me personally and it really helped me control my anxieties and my my anger to some degree. And then when I was 19, I moved out of my third special needs boarding school. I moved to supported living and I was there for two and a half years. And now I live in an absolutely incredible supported living home. And I've been here for nearly eight years. How do you explain autism? Or do you mean for someone who has idea what it is? So just so I've got the question right, how do I, how do I explain autism to people who maybe don't necessarily know autism? Yeah, so I explain autism as a um, neurological condition. It affects me in a lot of ways, but it's also something that I would not change about myself. So when I talk to people about autism, about my autism, I talk about a lot of the anxieties I have around maybe day-to-day tasks or activities. Um at the point of the, my life where I am now, I'm very independent with most parts of my life, but that hasn't always been the case. Um, when I was a lot younger, as I sort of mentioned, my behaviour was a lot um, was a lot different to how it is now. And you know, especially moving to supported living in when I was nineteen was a big step to actually learn how to do certain things. For example, like catching public transport. Um, learning how to cook because when I was at boarding school if the cooking was done for us so one thing I make very clear in my, in my autism trainings that I deliver is that everybody with autism is different what helped me with with my sort of you know autism and things I find difficult would not necessarily help everybody and I think that's extremely important to, to make that clear to people is that when you've met me, you've met Simon Tobin and that's it. I sort of say the spectrum is a line that starts from here, you know, where I'm standing, all the way to the to the end of the, the universe. And what I mean by that is that it's so long and so diverse is that it, it, it kind of doesn't end. And on each part of the spectrum, you're going to have a person... Um, with different needs and different support needs, 
different things that they find difficult, but also different strengths. I think it's important to realise and understand that, yes, some autistic people find certain things difficult, but also a lot of autistic people have very, very, very strong strengths. The specific example I give is that if you have someone who goes to, for example, university, they're doing you know, a degree in, let's say, maths, um, and they travel to the to the college uh, to the university on their own, and they're very independent in that area. But then they come home and they need support to fry an egg. It's very important to realise that just because someone can do what might be typically classed as more difficult does not mean they're not going to be able to do the things that maybe are generally most people would consider easier. And I make that very clear in my autism training. Do people with autism, do people autism find it hard? Find it hard to make friends. Make friends. So up to my my late my mid twenties, um, I found it very difficult to make friends, and I found it very difficult to actually maintain relationships. I had a couple of friends. Uh, a couple of friends but it wasn't until I actually moved to Epsom and started to feel a part of my community that I actually got to know different people in and outside of my supported living home when I was a child um I think I was impatient with some people and I didn't want to necessarily do things that they liked I only wanted to do the things that I liked, which as a sort of result, found it very difficult to make friends. And that was kind of a big part of my life until, as I say, maybe my mid-twenties. But um, I would say in general, a lot of people with autism do find it difficult to make and maintain relationships. And again, it's an individual thing about why it might be difficult. Do you have any advice for teachers and parents. So, so just so I've got it right, do I have any advice for teachers and parents? Yep, thank you for that. So, my advice for parents is, if you're the first sort of basic stuff first, if you know, if you don't know much about autism, try and get as much information from as you can about autism from safe sources like the National Autistic Society, the NHS website. And try and find out just general information about how you might be able to help your son or daughter. I think also is, you know, obviously everything's about the individual. So you need to get to know your child and know maybe what what makes them anxious, what make what actually helps them to relax and calm and stay calm and accept them for who they are. And I think one of the most important things is make sure that your son or daughter as, as a parent gets the support that they need in school. If they're older, um, get the support they need in maybe adult social care. I think that's a big important thing is to make sure that those support networks are in, fa- are in place. Moving on to teachers, I go to a lot of schools and train teachers about autism. So... I think the most important thing I would say is treat everybody as an individual, have 
possibly extra patience with someone with autism as opposed to someone who maybe doesn't have autism you might for example give them extra time to hand in their homework as an example and you know some people with autism especially young people don't like to be associated with autism so I always advise teachers to wear to where it's possible to actually keep it very confidential and keep it do things in a way that other student, students and young people are not going to notice that this person is maybe being given extra support because some people don't like to be associated with autism. How do you talk publicly about autism? How did you get into that? And how and what do you want to achieve from the talks? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would have been about 17, 18 at the time and I was... I was studying health and social care at a, a, a college and um, one of my tutors sort of asked me would I mind giving another class, not my class, but another class, some training about autism because they were doing a unit on autism. Now, I've always been quite open about my autism, so people in my class, my tutors all know I had autism. So I went along to this talk. I didn't think I was going to do well. I didn't really think anything of it, if I'm honest. And it went absolutely brilliantly. And I got such good feedback that actually I decided from that day, this can be something I can do. I can go to people and I can train them or educate them about autism. In the 13 years I've been doing this, I've presented to many, many different people and places and organisations. Schools, education professionals, medical professionals, um, health and social care professionals, students and young people, parent support groups. And, you know, without sounding big-headed, the list kind of goes on. One of the important things I would actually kind of say is sometimes I find it easier to be presenting to a room full of people than I do to actually have a one-to-one conversation. And I think that's due to sometimes in a one-to-one conversation, you really have to pay attention to what the other person is saying. And it's it can be quite tiring to actually keep up with some people and, and what they're trying to say and what they're trying to get across. Um, not in a not in a nasty way, but that's you know, that's that's how it kind of works. So yeah. What I'm hoping to achieve from general is just to educate people about autism and, you know, knowing that someone else is going to get maybe supported better or or taught better or whatever it may be, that really actually gives me a lot of satisfaction is that I'm helping other people to get the right support, actually. What is your plans in the future? So... I hope to just continue doing as many talks as I possibly can with all kinds of different organisations and people. I'm going back to one of my old schools to do a sort of um, autism training with the staff and I think do some workshops with the students that are at that school now. I think on a more personal level about what my plans are for the future, I would one day like to leave supported living and maybe be you know, a bit more independent, have maybe move into a place on my own. Um, maybe first of all, start off, start off by having outreach and then maybe one day no support at all. Who knows? I want to try and find a girlfriend and maybe one day ask the, the big question, will you marry me? 
And I think, to be honest, I just want to be happy. Like, I'm happy now with my life and I just want to continue to be happy and value my friends and value my work and everything I do. I enjoyed today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Thank you very much. Thank Thank you. you Because that was really informative and I've learned a lot. That's really good. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thanks, Simon, for being on the show. You can find a link to Simon's Facebook page in the show notes. What's it like being a parent when your child has autism? Well, every story is different, and Jackie told us about her story. I have three children, and my eldest son, Martin, has autism. So can you explain Martin's diagnosis and how he got diagnosed? Um, Martin was at playgroup and they noticed that he wasn't able to do eye contact or join in with the activities in the same way that other children were able to do. Mm. He was then referred to a GP and saw various consultants and was diagnosed with autism. And did they say, because autism is understood as a spectrum, do they put it in those terms? Do they talk about how, uh, where on the spectrum he is? No, they didn't say exactly where on the spectrum. It's autism. Um, it was global delay that they mentioned. So other things as well. So I see. Do you find that there are activities that Martin likes or is good at because of the way his brain works? Yes. Martin is very focused and has a really good memory. Um, for example, he knows all the flags of the world, fantastic knowledge of football club statistics, Grand Prix, races and driver knowledge he's very good at creating his own commentaries for whichever game he's playing or whether it's football or car racing game but yes he he does have a tremendous way of well tremendous memory more than you would normally think for someone else who hasn't got autism and are there things that he would he prefers to avoid as well He's had to work a lot harder at things than other people who do not have autism. He struggles with socialising, whether it be at school, college or university. It's hard for him to do eye contact or start any conversation with people, whether it be amongst fellow students in a canteen or in a class. These rooms are very busy and noisy. It can be a lot for him to process. He can feel very isolated at times. Mm. The pressure of work, um, needing to be handed in, deadlines is overwhelming Um, at times. It affects his mood, can make him feel very low. He avoids public transport, which he would find scary and too much of a challenge if he were to do it on his own. He's happy to walk everywhere. He struggles to cook, shaking continually, using um, a knife, sharp knives. He's also left-handed, which also can make things more difficult for him. Mm. And has he found it quite hard making friends over the years then? Yes, he has. He only had one very close friend from school. It was a friendship that lasted until his friend um, departed from college because Martin stayed on an extra year to complete his studies. So he was there three years and not two years. He's not made any close friends since then. He, He... needs to work with other students and relies on them to organise more what's happening. So if they've got to do something together, he would rely on them more to 
initiate that unless he's been told to organise it. Um, mm. It doesn't come naturally to him. I mean, social events, he wouldn't um, necessarily go to. I've encouraged him to go to things since he started, but at first he didn't want to go downstairs and meet anybody. He needed other people to come and um, meet up with him to bring him down to meet with other students because he found it so daunting and scary. Yeah. It's completely out of his zone. But Have you found, like, at university, has there been such a thing as specific groups which are designed for people with autism? Well, what i done a lot to help him and looking at stuff that was available for him going to university and this particular university is at does have an autism group which I encouraged him to join so unfortunately with Covid it was online a lot which isn't so good for him but he did meet other people through that who have autism and it was run by a medical person so it, it was done really well and I think he got a lot out of it he's no longer doing that but the first year I think it was very helpful for him to find that he wasn't the only one with autism there you know yeah. he's not alone in this world which it does feel at times so yes that has been one of the problems and another issue with university which other people probably wouldn't necessarily think of when you go to university, of course, you're treated as an adult, which is great, but obviously quite hard, even if you haven't got autism. But when you have got autism, it's far more challenging because if something goes wrong or you don't know how to do something, you don't know where to go. So I was the first port of call for most things because he didn't know how to deal with things if he lost his card if the building was shut that he was supposed to be going in to have a lecture what did he do with that there was scaffolding everywhere he was very distraught at times especially in the first year um and just didn't know where to go and what yeah. to do if he got it issues he didn't know where to go there again so i would advise parents if they were trying something like university which i would encourage if they they wanted to do it to seek out support there but you have to get your child's permission to be able to speak to the various departments within the university they won't allow you just to speak to them it's obviously something you find out along the way um, I, I think also for you to be quite involved with your tutor if you can be and let them know what various struggles you have um, there again, starting during post-COVID, a lot of the lessons were online, which there again, you're quite isolated still. And Martin needs contact, although he might not interact loads with other people in the lecture, he needs to be around people. He's not good in his um, university accommodation on his own, um, trying to do things, especially in the first year. Not so much now, but... You know, there again, the feeling of isolation because he's not going to go downstairs and meet up with his friends and chat about his how his day's been and go off and do something with them. He hasn't got that world open to him. And have you found other institutions have had their challenges, such like, you know, healthcare and school or other things that a lot of people generally use? School has been quite challenging at times. I mean, primary school, 
there's somebody called a special needs coordinator who you should be made aware of when you child starts which I think you will now because I could see how much it's changed having three children when my daughter left this particular school I could see what inroads they've made in making this person readily available but also you know who they are it took until year four for me to meet them because he was struggling to write I mean he struggled to read but he I worked really hard with him at home and the school had worked with him as well um, but he was really struggling to write. I was told by his teacher that if he didn't learn to write, he would, in that year, he would have to go to a special school. So um, my husband and I went to visit the special school. Um, the people of Martin's ability were out on a day trip. So the other students that were there were less able and needed a lot more care and attention. And my husband and I came to the conclusion that we didn't really feel it was the right place for Martin to be going. Um, they did have a lovely sensory room and he would have liked that. And they did involve people in playing music. And I think he would have also liked that part of it. So there, there was a lot on offer there. And I think for other people with children who've got special needs, I think it would have been really brilliant. But I really didn't feel it was the appropriate place or we didn't feel. Um, I was then in a meeting at the school with all the professionals and only me defending the fact that I didn't feel he should go there. So it was, it was very daunting. Mm -hmm. I would hate any other parent to be in that situation. As I say, I don't think that would arise so much now because judging by this particular school, they, they've um, gone forward in so many ways with having the special needs coordinator and other as pastoral lead now. You know, th those things were not there when Martin was at school. So it, it was a very different world. Yeah. Anyway, I, I, we, I spoke to the special needs coordinator and said I didn't feel it was the right place for Martin to be going. He's going to have to grow up in a world where you're mixing with other people. You're not going to be able to just be in your own special school environment so much. So I thought the wider world, the, the ordinary school that he was at would be better for him. And actually, she did agree that it was the wrong place for him to be going. I worked at home with him continually to teach him to write. I wrote what he'd managed to achieve each day, and the teaching assistant would then reply in the book to me. Mm. He hated learning to write. He mm. cried all the time. It took a long, long time to persevere with him. And obviously, I had um, other children, a younger um, brother that Martin had to spend time with as well and look after him but I was determined that we would get there and school worked really hard as well and between them and what I was doing at home he learned to write he learned to read he now thoroughly enjoys reading and writing and he will do it for his own pleasure which is such a joy to see but it was really hard we have tried um, twice to get financial support for him. There was something called a statement which provided funding for the individual child which would be then given to the school and they would have all that um, special help until they were 18. I think it's extended now to older than that. But both times we were turned down that the um, council wouldn't, were not going to 
agree the funding it's very difficult to get a lot of parents face this problem they said that the school was already doing enough so they didn't feel that providing the extra funding would actually be beneficial because they felt it was already there which was really tough with having him as the eldest with two other children he was our learning curve we didn't know anything about any of the schools before he started but also we had to learn it from his perspective um Mm. he has had a lot of support there have been times when it's been really difficult and he's really struggled i've had to help him with most of his work throughout his years at secondary school and as i say it was a real struggle for him unfortunately somebody who was closely supporting him did decide to leave when he was getting closer to doing his gcse's in a few months before he was due to take them. That was tremendously hard because change for somebody with autism is very hard and obviously in such a difficult year. But the school stepped up, the special needs coordinator they had then, um, she was absolutely brilliant and she pulled out all the stops. She got lots of different people helping him, but obviously he didn't know them. They were all new to him. So, yeah. It was tough. It, it was there were a lot of tough days. He went off to college after that, and he found that a much better place for to grow for his independence. He had his best friend there, and his best friend had made other friends, so they were all able to be together at the break times. And they had some very good teachers there. Martin also went on the bus for the first time. That was really good because that was another step in his independence. Well, you mentioned independence. Have you found as a mother who obviously this intense sense of caring, have you felt like you need to try to detach to try to give Martin more independence? Has that been difficult? It has been hard, but I feel he's growing up. He does need independence. It is hard to let go obviously and you you see them struggling and you want to help them more it's it's a very natural reaction um and he's got a younger brother and sister who are older now so are aware of martin having autism um i did talk to them so they were both aware once they were old enough and they offer a lot of support to him and help when he needs it which is a lovely thing and um You've given all sorts of advice, actually, but is there any more advice that you would give to other people? Yes, there is. It's not always been easy with Martin, whether it was car alarms going off when he was younger, causing him to scream. And of course, you didn't know when that was going to happen. Or fear of water after he'd seen floods on television news. He then could not bear any tap being turned on in the house, whether it be to wash your hands, fill a kettle, do washing up or have a bath. He would just run around the house screaming continually and running straight at you to turn it off, which was incredibly difficult. But there again, I talked to school and they worked with him as well. Um, I think do find out what help is available to you. Um, Don't be afraid to ask for support. I felt that because my son had autism, that it was my problem to sort him out um, myself. Computers were not really being used so much then, so I was not so aware of what help was out there and autism was not really publicly talked about in the way it is now. 
which mm. I'm so glad is happening. I mean, I myself have watched the Chris Prackham program recently, mm-hmm. um, and it's so brilliant that people are courageous enough to talk about their problems and parents to share their experiences because it still helps me. I, I think you're forever learning from your kids, but especially somebody with autism, what their world is like because it's very hard to imagine when you don't have it. I think you need to encourage your child to try things, involve themselves in daily family life if they can. I've always made time for Martin as well as his brother and sister. I think it's important to explain to your other children, if you have them, about autism and what it means to have somebody with it so that they're not just left thinking, well, why are they getting so cross? Why are they throwing things? Why are they having such a, what would appear a tantrum? but is actually struggling to cope. But I've also said to them, if Martin didn't have autism, he wouldn't be Martin. It's part of him. And I think you have to be very accepting of that. And they've been, as I say, very supporting and understanding as they've got older. And because it does seem like over the last sort of, I don't know, five, ten years, there's a lot more discussion about autism, isn't there? There is. And even some of the professionals I dealt with when Martin was younger, how I was trying to think how's the best to put it didn't have the personal touch shall I say with how to talk about him quite dismissive of it but yeah I was made to feel really bad that he was struggling so much at that time but as I say we've come a long way now which is such a positive thing and it's being talked about celebrities are talking about having autism we had World Autism Day, which I was really pleased to see. My my son, one of my sons supports Bournemouth and they had it displayed along the hoardings on Sunday in, in match of the day, I saw it. Um, World Autism Day, 2nd of April and it's absolutely brilliant. It's not an unspoken thing now, which as I say, when Martin was growing up, it wasn't really talked about. I didn't know anybody else as a child who has autism, but... He's come such a long way and we're all so very proud of him, even through the struggles. Yeah. Martin's at uni still now, isn't he? He is. So what's the kind of next step for the near future? Do you have any hopes or ambitions? Well, he would love to do something in the media world. That is his real love now. He's has entered previous radio competitions and done commentary for Radio 5 live in a competition and and it was absolutely excellent but I think as long as he's happy and yes doing something he enjoys I think that's the most important thing but yes it's going to be a hard transition to try and find employment. We'll have to give him a bit of a shot on the podcast on here. Yeah he'd love he'd love that. We'll um we'll we'll do that we'll work out a project for Martin. Because he, he's up. very good at talking, very articulate. Well, much better than I am. <laughs> and he's very good with tech. It's only if tech goes wrong. He right. really does struggle then. I mean, yeah. I think we all do. Well, we've covered everything quite quite extensively, I reckon. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming on, Jackie. Really appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thanks, Jackie, for coming onto the podcast. 
We all wish you and Martin the very best and we look forward to hearing Martin on this very podcast in the future. Now we support a lot of people at Surrey Choices and some of them have autism. For this month's Choices Voices, we caught up with them to hear about their experiences. Hi, I'm David Lance and I have mild autism. So growing up, I did have... um, going through different schools, um, private therapy sessions. Um, Like there was one weekly, which was music therapy, and that was just having some fun and messing about with instruments and making silly noises. And then there was all these other therapy sessions where it was just a lot of um, guessing um, shapes and guessing patterns and um writing and just yeah from all that but it was just kind of saying yeah that I would sort of struggle with um working there's still a bit of a struggle with having to um sort of be independent and sort of think for oneself clearly and take in um what people are saying I am kind of antisocial with um, people, um, with family at times, um, because they just have sometimes got me doing a lot of stuff that I don't want to do, like either going on walks with them or going somewhere with them that I don't want to go. And um, also when I volunteer at the council, I have to make small talk with um, people that I work near. I think um, I don't really bother to take in the receiving end of when others speak. And it wouldn't exactly be them sort of recognising what autism was or spelling it out. Um, They would just, um, yeah, just think I was weird. You know, people would sort of call me out on that. And, you know, I just would just feel quite repulsed at myself I think I always seem to have this point where you know I feel more confident about wanting to spend time with someone when it just gets too late and you know I sort of miss out and just then also you know when I try and break the ice um you know it never really stays for long even when it feels like it does but um eventually I'd either be back to square one or you know I would um just suddenly get um a bit desperate I've been relying on that just watching funny videos on the internet or um listening to music during college and during break times during arriving to college and leaving and Eventually, um, I tried, um, you know, sort of white noise sensory stuff at one point, just when I was in a very rough spot, but it didn't really help for me because my mind just kept talking to me a lot. My brain just kept feeling louder. Um, So I've um, been with, um, for a few years now, this group called Halo, and, you know, they sort of plan activities um 
you know, to help people with socialising. And, um, you know, there's someone I'd want to speak to if I'd want to say hello to, then I'll probably be confident with um, with saying hello but not engaging in a full conversation. But I'd say for someone who hasn't got autism, you know, be the one to approach them because they'll be indecisive whether or not they want to reach you first. You know, maybe they would um, and just sort of acknowledge they will speak differently, that they'll communicate differently, that um, some answers might not come out right. Okay, thank you. Hi, it's me, Kerry, from Choices Waves, and I'm here at Fernley Hub. I'm joined by Future Choices. Hi, it's Jack. Hi, it's Brandon. I'm James. Hi, I'm Jack Forfoot. And today we're going to be discussing autism. What does autism mean for you? Just find stuff that was challenging, but they're normal. Okay, and what sort of things do you find challenging? Sounds a bit difficult, like when I was younger, I couldn't talk. When I first diagnosed with it, I was pleased that I couldn't connect accepted that, no, I'm not it. And it takes a while to me to kind of think it. Just know me from not normal. Brandon, what do you find, find challenging with your autism? Well, basically, I struggle with all the daily stuff, like cooking and doing dishes and stuff. Shopping. Shopping, yeah. It's just that I don't know how to do it. I watch my dad every time, but my, my, my brain just totally forgets. You've seen how to do it, but every time it's like you're learning to do it again. again. That must be really difficult for you. Yeah, that's why, because my, everything has to be done in a specific way for me. It's because of the lights, crowds. Yeah. So, like, sensory overload, I think yeah. that's what it is, isn't it? Is that yeah, right? that's why I have. So, we've talked about some of the struggles that you guys have, but what about any positives? Are there any positives from having autism? It helps me with, like, building stuff. Construction, oh. like, Lego. It basically does also another way of me learning. What kind of um, forums or any groups that helps you? The Autistic National Society. They're basically trying to find ways and groups. How can people help you with it? Help by making it not too so loud. Okay. I struggle with that as well. So you didn't go through that sightseeing and stuff? No, don't go to London ever for that. There's a lot of stuff going on in London, isn't there? Loads of sounds. Of course, everywhere I go is too crowded for me anyway. So speaking about crowds and sensory overload, James, I think was it you went to the football last week? Yeah, I find it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, so who did you go with? Did you go with people you knew? Yeah, people I knew, like my dad, friends. Autism is different for different people. If I was going to London to play on my own, I can get there to go to Wembley. I know I have to do that on my own. If I ever get myself in a relationship, but I never, I never tell them. What, about your autism? Yeah, never. Just for them, like, judge me and, like, dump me and never don't want to be with me. Well, if so, if you met somebody and they didn't want to be with you because of that, then it's probably yeah, yeah them exactly, Jack. Yeah, yeah. Not... that's why I don't say anything. You should. You should them. help help them as well. It will help yeah, them. It, 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 it will help them, and it will help you. I know, but not in a horrible way. I just wouldn't feel that normal. Yeah, yeah it's very normal. In a way, I wish I got diagnosed much much earlier. What as like a child? Yeah, it doesn't help me for my full life. So, how old were you when you got diagnosed? Sixteen, seventeen. Wow, so these are quite late diagnoses. How old, how old are you now? 21. 
did you find it hard at school? Very difficult. Because primary school, teachers never liked me for who I was. Secondary school, I couldn't cope. It was even worse when it came to exams. Yeah. And then college, I couldn't cope any longer. So I left. I quit. Wow, okay. But I lost you. Thank you guys for joining me for a chat about autism. It's been really nice and thank you for sharing your stories as well. Bye from Jack. Bye from James. Bye from Brent. Bye from Jack. And this was Future Choices at Fernley. Thanks for sharing your thoughts, everyone. Now, before we say goodbye, let's listen in to what's been going on at Choices Waves. Choices Waves. The digital voice of Sorry Choices. Perfect. Yeah. Oh my god, it was the best gig that I've eaten. Next up, we ought to pay a tribute to one of the best best singer in S Club 7, and we're going to play Weeks for him. I just want to, like I said, He's going home to France to play for Leon, Oliver and Sandra. Thanks for listening to Surrey Voices. Thanks this month to our guests, Simon, Jackie and to everyone who told us about their experience. Thanks also to Ian, Stephen and Justin for interviewing and Patrick and Becky for helping arrange that. And to the guys at Future Choices, I've been your, your host, Peter. And until next time, goodbye. <laughs>